Now, um, yes, and it's incredible. It's phenomenal. It stars Brendan Gleeson, um, what's his face, Conroy. Um, I can't pronounce his first name. It's it's spell R U with a dash above it. A I D H R I with a dash above it. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this name and I'm gonna attempt to go on, give it a go. You know, do do the big. There's thing. no way we do this without offending anyone. Okay, so, um, um, yep. Sh- wow. Yeah. Okay, that's that's an interesting. I'm gonna Google how to pronounce that. Fuck it. Oh, that's that's cheating. No, I'm I'm good. I need to know how this is pronounced. I'm genuinely <laughs> curious now. R U A I D H R I. Pronunciation. There we go. Apparently, Ruri. Ruri. Or Ruri. Rory. <laughs> Every single part of that name is silent. <laughs> the, the D is silent. <laughs> Clay. Did you say clay? <laughs> yes, the clay is silent. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, are you ready? Uh, no, yes, think so. Penis, yes. <sighs> I'm leaving that in as well, fuck it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next installment of your Filmian podcast. I'm Xander Lingwiston, here, to, uh, here as your host to film you in some more. Um, I'm... My eyes are already my eyes are already shut. Oh my god, I'm so tired. David's here. Yeah, it's um twenty to eleven. That's it. God damn you, David. <laughs> this is your this hey, man. legitimately is your fault. I know you had a decent reason not to record with me Tuesday during the day. <laughs> I was day, gonna say, but it's, like, it's not like I had really a choice in the matter. It's mate. still your goddamn fault. <laughs> depression is depression. You can't blame me. <laughs> I blame depression. <laughs> God um, damn these electric sex pants. <laughs> um, we're doing something a bit different today. We're, we're well, we've we've done one of these before, but we're back to so do it's another not one. Very different. So it's not very different at all. You're right. No. Yeah, I just say that literally every week. I say we're doing something different today. Yeah, it reminds um, me of um, a YouTuber called Call Me Kevin. Every single video is like we're doing something a little bit different. Wait, um, no, we're not. We're doing something exactly the same as we've done before. We're doing yeah. a director... Re- a, oh my god, I can't speak. We're doing a retrospective. Di- a director retrospective. Um, and this week, we're going to look at uh, one of our favourite directors. Uh, he's only done uh, three feature films. Uh, it and is a certain uh, Martin McDonough. Mm-hmm. Um, he has directed, as I said, three feature films. It is uh, They are in Bruges. Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which famously got nominated for Best Picture in 2018. And won Sam Rockwell his Oscar. Yes, and Frances McDormand her Oscar. Oh yeah, I forgot she won an Oscar for that. Damn good reason. So, basically, um, we did this for Tarantino back in episode two. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the movies talk about them for a bit and say what we like say what we don't like and then move on that's it that's literally it we're just gonna talk about the movies yeah yeah so if you don't like us talking about movies then why are you watching a podcast where we talk about movies yeah by the way hi to everyone in australia listening 
Wagwan. <laughs> everyone. Literally everyone. I think hey, I dude. think it I think it's just one person. Hey, hey dude. Hey, B- dude. Big fan of your binging. Yeah. I'm a big fan Shut of uh, of Vegemite. I really no. I really like Vegemite. Oh, uh, do not. I'm, I apologise on behalf of Xander for his horrible Australian accent. I can do an Australian um, accent. No, I can't. Zan- I can't do an Zander Australian could... accent. You're right. I can't do it. Just, just for him, can you put the thumbnail upside down in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, also, also <laughs> hide. The fact, that... <laughs> the fact you had to say. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Shut up, man. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So we're going to look at <sighs> the three feature films. But first, he did something before the three feature films, didn't he, David? Uh, perhaps. Um, he did. We, we know it. We've seen it many times. It is uh, yes. a short film. Um, it is it's half an hour long. And it is called Six Shooter. Now, um, Yes, and it's incredible. It's phenomenal it stars brendan gleason um what's his face conroy um i can't pronounce his first name it's it's spell r u with a dash above it a i d h r i with a dash above it hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna see this name and i'm gonna attempt to go on give it a go you know do do the big there's thing. no way we do this without offending anyone okay so um. Um. Yep. Sh- wow. Yeah. Okay. That's that's an interesting. I'm gonna Google how to pronounce that. Fuck it. Oh, that's that's cheating. No, I'm I'm good. I need to know how this is pronounced. I'm genuinely <laughs> curious now. R u a i d h r i. Pronunciation. There we go. Apparently, Ruri. Ruri. Or Ruri. Rory. Every single part of that name is silent. (laughs) The the D is silent. Clay. Did you say clay? (laughs) Yes, the clay is silent. (laughs) (laughs) For fuck's sake, I forgot about that. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's amazing so yeah it's Brandon Gleeson Rory Conroy I'm calling him Rory um, uh, we've got David Wilmot and yeah. uh, Donald Gleeson appears as well doesn't he's, appear he stars he's he's the main character Donald Gleeson you know he's oh, the cashier Don- yeah the, never mind I thought you said Don- um, Brent- Brendan Brendan I'm tired Gleeson. man is it he's fat is it they they Pappy and Son Pappy and Son. Yeah, Pappy Did and Did you actually... Oh, God. I'm not even going to answer that. He's the son the of actor Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Crazy. You disgust me sometimes. <laughs> um. So, Six Shooter, I'm going to read... I'm on the IMDb, so I'm going to read the... Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, synopsis on here. It says, A black and bloody Irish comedy about a sad train journey where an older man whose wife has died that morning encounters a strange and possibly psychotic young oddball. Um, whose mother also died that morning. Whose mother died that morning. This this train basically is just the death train. Because yeah. then they meet the a, a man and a woman who are just uh, credited as man and woman. 
and yeah. uh, they um like the woman's crying and it's because their their baby died that morning yep so it's uh yeah everyone on this train's real sad it's a sad train yeah it's a pretty depressing train yeah man i wouldn't really want to be on that train if i'm entirely honest yeah no wonder that woman jumps off it <laughs> wow spoilers <laughs> like listen it's 16 years old go and watch all four <laughs> of these things because they're all fantastic yeah, I can, like, as much as I want to disagree with Xander, as at all times, this movie is incredible. Yeah, this this short film, especially. Um, yeah, it, it literally sets the tone for every single kind of, like, when when you see this film, you can see exactly what kind of film you're going to get into with the other three, because it's all the same kind of style with dark comedy. Yeah, it's not the... so much for Free Billboards, that, yeah. that focuses a lot more on the drama, but it is still funny and so in parts and where the comedy is it's spectacular yeah with with six shooter it's um it's the like this probably might be the darkest comedy of his yeah uh i like like the things they joke about are yeah the things they don't joke about are the darkest things but at the same time i think the darkest comedy is um in bruges personally yeah like but in this you the joke the making like the guy the the main kid who's again um credited as kid he uh the rory conroy he um he's amazing because he's just spouting off with a sick irish accent just spouting off all this dialogue just chatting absolute shit yeah for the whole whole half an hour but you know to... what that works so well for his character because you've, you've got to admit i've 100 had people like that on a train yeah i've um i've had like a two-hour train ride before where this guy was sitting across from me whilst i was just trying to some music and you know write a script and um, oh you know you're every day yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i'm a filmmaker i have to um and he was just spouting off a random story and i was just there like dude shut up (laughs) like i'm trying to you know be you know something here stop please leave me alone i has reagan um oh god no but yeah like this like the things they joke about he he it's specifically him he's the joke he's the he's the comedy in this and he comes yeah. in and everyone in this train is just trying to be as quiet as possible and silent and think about what's going on. And he's yeah. just like, won't shut up. He will not shut up. No matter what you say to him, he will just keep talking and talking and talking it's about seemingly bad. nothing. Like that, the, the fact that like he just does not stop as well. The fact that he just keeps on going. And he goes further and further and further. Like I think at, at some point you just have to like you you start to feel so bad for these characters, but at the same time, that's to the credit of the writing of this movie because it hits so like it's so realistic in that aspect because everybody has a story of this one guy on a train who is really, really annoying. But like he and this is the penultimate or the ultimate version of that story, basically. He is um I think the thing I love most about his character that he's clearly self-aware as well. He like yeah. At, at, at the point after he uh, like taunts the mother a bit, he sits there and he's like, "God, oh, you went a bit too far there, didn't you? Jesus Christ, you went you went a little yeah. bit too far." 
And yeah. then that, that moment actually leads to her jumping off the train. Yeah, like the, the entire, you know, film is him, like, basically just having a conversation with himself and hoping somebody else is listening. Yeah, basically. And it works so well. Because, like, Brendan Gleeson's character just accidentally comes up, like, comes by him and regrets every decision he's ever made because of it. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson, by the way, what is a phenomenal. He's fantastic. I, I love him so much. He's just big and cuddly, you know? Yeah, he's honestly... Like, in this, and spe- especially in um, in Bruges, I like, when I first watched it, I remember, like, when I first watched it, it was in, when, like, me and you were in college. Yeah. And we were talking Same. about um, Seven that Psychopaths. That was the first time I watched it as well. Yeah, we were, watching, we were talking about Seven Psychopaths, and so, I, like, I googled the guy, I googled McDonough. I was like, oh my god, he's got another film. I'm, I'm going to watch this tonight, and I did. And I just, like, I came in the next day, I was like, dude, watching Bruges, you know, like, what what's in Bruges? Watching Bruges. It's in Belgium. What's it about? Yeah, like I just kept on saying, watching Bruges. What's it about? Just watching Bruges. But yeah, what's it... it about? Just watch in Bruges. See, like, but getting back to Six Shooter, I didn't know this existed until uh, I got Mubi. Uh, yeah, with, I actually with... didn't know it existed until I got the Blu-ray of In Bruges. I no, I told you about this before that. Did you? Yeah, I because it was on I've Mubi. I've got bad memory. It, yeah, it was on Mubi, and um, it because it was when Three Billboards was coming out, and I watched it and like died laughing. There was there's a scene later on that we'll talk about that I actually had to pause the movie because I was coughing and I was like laughing. Oh okay. that much. yeah, we might as well talk about it and, now because it's um, only a half hour movie. Yeah, and then like. I, I I ended up watching it again that week before it went off the service. But that, yeah. that scene, the um, he's trying to tell this story to anyone who'll listen about yeah. the cow with trapped wind. Yeah. And the, the, the story goes that he and his dad are at this farm and they're watching and they're looking at these cows and there's one that this one cow just starts like expanding a lot. And so He's like, what the hell's gonna go going on? This cow's gonna explode, and then this tiny like jockey runs in and starts shanking the cow yeah. until and like poking holes in it, and then the jockey explains that that's what you're supposed to do when they start expanding because they're full of methane, and they're like they're saying this is the sort of stuff that is in your. Uh, you know, in your in your in your oven and in your going through your house and in your boiler. It's like wow, and then the jockey lights it as it's coming out of one of these holes, and it's like wow, this is really cool. And then all of a sudden it takes a turn and he says, and then I don't know, it must have got backed up inside because then the horse just exploded. I mean, the cow just exploded, and yeah. it cuts from like this really, really interesting scene of like. Just like everyone applauding this jockey who's like almost become a circus performer to then shots of a cow exploding into yeah. really visceral chunks and flying all over the place and little kids covered in blood and then the jockey just looking around and is running away. Like he's like he like they knew this was gonna happen. It was just like hey, hey, hey. I'll get you next time. Or something yeah. like that. It's it's so funny. And so out of nowhere, and that's what makes it hilarious. 
Yeah, but the thing that I think the like thing I love about this scene so much is that he's so excited to tell this story as well. He is. Like this, this kid, he's just been trying to tell this story the entire time, and Brendan Gleeson finally says, "Go on, let, let's hear it." And yeah. he's genuinely so surprised that somebody's finally listening to him. Like he's obviously, you know, been neglected his entire life, this that, and the other. And it just that one moment paints a story about the character so well. Yeah, it does. And it just shows that he's, you know, there's something a little bit weird about him. And then everything goes tits up. Yeah, so it took, like, right at the start of the movie, uh, Brennan Gleeson, like, is, his wife is dead. And he's at the doc, is it that he's at the hospital seeing her off? And um, the doctor walks in and says, listen, uh, I can't stay with you. We've had a, we've had a woman been shot in the head. And then the, the whole movie goes on and then the kid mentions that like his mum died last night and you start yeah. sort of putting pieces together and then the police stop the train and try and stop him because he killed his mum. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I think the twist works. The twist works really well, actually. Yeah. Like, I- it, it's, it's the kind of thing that keeps on getting hinted at toward, like throughout the entire short film. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, no matter what, it's not like out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen. It's like, yeah, you could have, you probably should have seen this coming. But then, when it does happen, like everything just goes absolutely mental. Yeah. Like, so we and start the reason the film's called cops. Six Shooter is he pulls out a gun that has six shots. Well, two guns that has six shots. Yeah. And starts firing them off, and then yeah. like he gets shot by the police. He dies, and Brendan Gleeson takes one of the guns to take home because he wants to kill himself. Yeah. And before he does, he picks. Up, he's got a rabbit, and he decides he's gonna shoot the rabbit instead of it starving to death in his house. Yeah. So he shoots the rabbit in the head, and then tries to shoot himself. Fumbles the gun, and shoots the other bullet on the floor, and then he's stuck, being alive yeah. still. And that's it's like such a bittersweet ending, and it's it's just like it, it's such an interesting ending as well. Like this guy is obviously clear; he wasn't gonna kill himself at the start of the day as well. Yeah, that's you know the most interesting part about it. Th- the fact that he decides in that exact moment, yeah, I I don't want to go on living in the world where like a a young lad will kill his mom. And you know my wife is dead. I don't and, believe it. Like, God, this and the other, and babies die in the car. Yeah, like it's just painting this world for him that he doesn't want to be in anymore. Yeah, and he's literally stuck in it after killing the one thing he had left. Yeah, it's just such a de- like when you think about it like that, it's such a depressing ending. But at the same time, it's like the perfect ending for this because you know this this film is all about death. It is, yeah. And it's all about how like death is just inevitable. It's going to happen, but sometimes it's not supposed to. Yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it's such an interesting film. It it's so it damn is. good. Um, you can you can find you can find it on YouTube. Um, it's it's free on there. Um, yeah. it's only twenty seven minutes, and you know what? I think it's it's one of the best short films I've ever seen. Yeah, genuinely. Uh, the acting's incredible, especially from Brendan Gleeson and uh, Rory Comroy. 
Uh, both... Also, can I just say, yeah. I love that, um, in general, Mike McDonough seems to work with actors twice on the films. Yeah. Like, so far, he's only ever worked with actors twice. So, um, like, but he... Um, he's worked with one guy three times. Who? Um, what's his face? He's worked with Zelko Ivanek th- three times. He's the desk sergeant in Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. Then he's the um, Woody Harrelson's right-hand man in Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. And he's the Canadian that Colin Farrell punches in, in Bruges. Oh, my God. <laughs> you hit the Canadian. You hit the Canadian. <laughs> I oh. hit the Canadian. <laughs> they, they didn't kill John Lennon, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favourite moment in that entire movie. Yeah. Other than, obviously, like, you're an inanimate... F- like, that movie is so quotable. It's hey, weird. Should we... Like, so, um, Six Shooter, out, like... Yeah. Out, out of 10, what are we saying? I'm saying uh, at least a 9, probably a 10. Yeah, I'm I'm going 10 on 10. Yeah. Because, like, for how short it is, for how little it's with you, it stays with you for a, a lot longer. By the way, spoiler warning, we really like these movies. Oh, yeah, we like all four of these. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Um. Right, let's move on to... Um, let's move on to In Bruges. So, yeah, In Bruges, uh, 2008, mm-hmm. um, stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and, oh, no, oh, no. You the forgot ca- the guy's the ca- name, No, yeah. the cast on IMDb is first, is like, in order of appearance. God damn, these electric sex pants. Then... <laughs> every time. You've got, every damn time. Yeah, so it's... Uh, Ralph Viennes. R- Ralph, Ray Fiennes. Did you just say Ralph, Ralph Fiennes? Fiennes. Yes, Ralph Fiennes. Um, and then who's the girl? I'm trying to find the name uh, of the girl. The Clemens Clemens Posey. She was really good in this. She's really good. Um, yeah. So let me let me find the where where are we? Here we are. Okay, so uh, guilt stricken after a job gone wrong, Hitman Ray and his partner await orders from their ruthless boss in Bruges, Belgium, the last place in the world Ray wants to be. Yeah, quite um, literally. So, this is one of my favourite movies. And yeah, we'll, it's, we'll, it's and a close contender for me as well. You'll sort of see more of that in an upcoming podcast, Wink Wink Nudge Nudge. Um, it's, it's so dark and funny, isn't it? Yeah, like, just to, like, I'm going to quickly read the, um... Oh, you already read it, didn't you? Yeah. I'm I'm so tired, man. Fucking hell. Um, anyway, like, it, the movie is just so damn tight as a comedy, as a dark comedy, and yeah. as a drama. It hits every single point of it perfect. Like, it, at the very start, it starts immediately, you know, teasing about this horrible thing that Colin Farrell's done. And then it quite quickly it does actually tell you. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like half an hour in, isn't it? Yeah, that they like, tell it, you. it it doesn't like it literally tells you everything you need to know very quickly. Yeah, and that's it tells of... you that Harry is this very very angry person immediately. But, but in like, the opening line, basically, even even Harry though, I was saying this. I, I watched this uh, with my flatmate, and I said like. Harry in this is such a great character. That's Ray Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Yes. 
Ralph he, um, he's such a great character in this because he's not a bad guy. He's just exactly. very into his principles and very, yeah. he's like, I'll do you a favor if you do me a favor. He's very on that gentleman's code. He's got a code of conduct, and if you slip up in it, you're done. Like there's no second chances, and that's that's, you know, it's admirable to see people like that with with yeah. codes of conduct that don't stray from it, and you see that at the end tragically. Um, but yeah, it like like you said, it's so tightly written as well. There's no, there's no thing in this screenplay that is left for no re- that he's put there for no reason like yeah um every I, single part every single line is important in this film i i only just realized when i was watching it uh, the other night that um when when brendan gleason is going up to the tower at the start yeah. he's trying to get rid of his change and he and he needs 10 extra cents and the guy's like no it's 5 euros you got 490 and so then he gives yeah. him a note and he's got all his change and then at the end when he's up in the clock tower again, he he's drops still all his change. change. To like warn people that, you know, something's about to happen. But so, also but also he has that change still yeah, from earlier on. Exactly. And it's like just little things like that to me really say like they've thought about everything going into this. They thought like, okay, what will he have on him is, you know, that kind of thing. And that's yeah. I think that's also really interesting when you see uh, Colin Farrell's wardrobe because he wears the same clothes because yeah of course they've just gone yeah. straight from from London they've just gone straight to Bruges of course he why why the hell would he have extra clothes yeah so that's like, like the the entire uh, it, this movie is so tightly written every single part is important every single moment is important in this film yeah like, the like I said like the thing that they start to tease towards is um basically colin farrell like obviously he's a hitman he um is doing a confessional with a priest he says that he's um, been paid like he killed someone for money and then he says that he's obviously killing the priest so he goes to shoot him he shoots him way more when he like falls out of the confessional but one of the shots accidentally hits a kid out yeah. of nowhere and that's the like the whole point of the reason why they're in bruges is because they've got a hideout in Bruges and basically um Harry wants to give um uh, my um Colin Farrell's character a last fa- a good final few days to live because obviously like his principles is you can't kill a kid and get away with it yeah and that is shown later on in the film as well yeah like um, that that is a hundred percent shown later on because later on yeah 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 when, we we, um, we won't we won't spoil that bit there's I mean like, it's there's... it's a sixteen year old movie man or twelve year old movie yeah it's, I, I just, yeah I know but like this I I don't think that needs that is necessary to to understand why this movie's so good yeah like, like to, to like spoil so, that final twist yeah um, honestly just just watch the movie it's so good if you if you've watched it already watch it again because it's really good. Yeah, um, I the first time I watched it, I watched it, and then a few nights I watched it with my dad, and the few nights later we were like, "Should we just watch it again?" And we just did. We just, like yeah. we never. My dad never does that. Um, my my mom watched this I think three times in one week, which she does quite a lot, but it's only when she really really enjoys a movie. Um, I this movie's endlessly quotable as well. 
Like yes. there's so many, there's so many quotable lines, especially like from Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell says some of the most heinous shit in this movie. He does. Like when he's talking like, to the American people, he's like, "It's a bunch of elephants." <laughs> like he's like, telling him not to go up the clock tower. Um, he's he's talking about like like the stairs what, are very narrow. Yeah, and he like there's the the scene in the restaurant when he's trying to tell a tell a Belgian joke, and he says why. Why do Belgians, um, like what? What's Belgium famous for? Chocolate and child abuse, and they only invented the chocolate to get to the children. It's like that yeah, exactly. is. It's the dark, darkest kind man. of. It's the darkest kind of humor, but that's like once again, that's painting this character perfectly. And he, he just doesn't. He like Bruges is not his kind of thing. You can see that from the entire beginning, but he's just constantly insulting Bruges and Belgium in general. Yeah, he just like Belgium. He um, at all. Like that when he when he meets Chloe, the 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 love interest, his first conversation with her, like, cause there's a there's a dwarf on a film set. He meets her on a film set, and there's a dwarf on the film set. So that's in his head, and he keeps saying like, he keeps trying to explain to her that dwarfs kill themselves a lot. So a lot of dwarfs yeah. actually kill themselves, and he's trying to explain that to her, and it's the most awkward and uncomfortable scene in the movie. Because at the same like, time, it works so he's well. Trying because to, exactly. That's him. Exactly. He's trying to like explain. He's trying to think of all these different famous dwarfs that have killed themselves. Yeah. And he's like the the one from Time Bandits did. I think not. The, not the little R two D two man. He's still going. He's still going. Um. Yeah. There's. But like, I I think what would be really interesting is like this compare like this movie when you think about it now, especially the way that like the characters are written. A lot of that stuff, if if it was said, like, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who, if they see this film, they'll want to cancel Colin Farrell for what he said in this movie. <laughs> but that's because his character is supposed to be heinously offensive. Yeah. Because his character just doesn't give a shit. But at the same time, his character gives all of the shits because, you know, he's just trying to, like, act as normal as possible because he's just killed a kid. Um... By the way, it's, it's a have, hard situation for him to be in. I should have mentioned uh, Six Shooter got nominated and won the Oscar for Best Short Film best short Live film. Action. This got and nominated for an Oscar. Not nominated for Best Writing in uh, Original Screenplay, and uh, yeah. in, Go- in the Golden Globes, it got uh, it won Best Performance by an Actor for Colin Farrell. It got nominated for Best Picture, Comedy or Musical, and got nominated. And Brendan Gleeson got nominated as well. Good. Um, Can I just say also something that I've literally just found out that makes me very, very happy. Um, there's an untitled Martin McDonough project with both um, buddy Brennan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Yeah, we've heard about this. No, I haven't. And I'm very happy about this because these two are the... These two are basically the Irish Simon Pegg and Nick Frost to me. Yeah, they I are. I love them so much. They are so great together. Because there's such an interesting dynamic with these two characters, because like yeah. they are the ag- exact opposite. You can't see, you can see why they're friends though, because they're opposites. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, like Colin Farrell is just a mad. But like, I think one of my favorite lines in this movie is, other than obviously you're like you're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> like the other one is you two are weird. Would you like some cocaine? Yeah, that whole scene when <laughs> yeah, when he um, is incredible because he basically the, the setup for that scene is that he 
goes to back to Chloe's place and starts getting off with her. Then her like friend shows up to try and rob him, and then he shoots him in the face with a blank. Colin Farrell takes his gun, yeah. and shoots him in the face with a blank, blinds him, and then finds loads of like cocaine and ecstasy in her apartment and so <laughs> steals it. Just steals it all. And and he meets Brendan Gleeson in a bar, and walks in. And says, uh, "I've got like," he, and he's speaking so fast, and he's saying, "Like, I've yeah. got five, I've got five grams of coke on me." And he's like, "And Brendan goes, wait, wait, what? You got five grams of coke on you?" He said, "Well, I've got four grams on me. I've got one gram in me, and that's why my heart's going like the the races right now." Um, so if so I do die of a heart please. attack, make sure to tell the ambulance that it's probably because of the cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that entire moment is so damn funny, and, then and he, it's so quick as well. Like and he, he can't. He just looks like he's on cocaine in that moment. And he walks up to the the dwarf, the the actor, and is like, "Why do you why do you ignore me earlier?" And like he's looking at him with like these wide <laughs> why did you eyes. Why you waving high at me when I you? I wasn't waving at anybody except for a horse. Maybe. Yeah, but he said, "What do you I want love about?" That when just he says, shit. "Sorry, <laughs> what do you want about just just horse shit?" Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I, I love that whenever like he's. The, the dwarf talks someone says like you're american he says don't hold it against me yeah exactly and colin no farrell what, says that's... isn't that for me to decide yeah. <laughs> honestly this this movie is special this this movie is so damn special but then, like, it it, so, so it goes from that sort of scene where they are it's so funny so yeah. obviously a comedy and then cuts to the scene where they're all doing cocaine and like the the prostitute is on Colin Farrell's lap and makes out with her. He makes out with her, and then looks at Brendan Gleeson and points at her and mouths, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> <laughs> but then, like once again, that's shifting into comedy. But then, out of nowhere, the, then the scene like, shifts back into drama. Yeah, it turns into like one of the darkest scenes where the dwarf is like, he, he basically outs himself as a racist and like he's yeah wanting a race war between all the white people and all the black people. And you learn more about Brennan Gleeson's character and why he's so loyal to uh, Ray Fiennes. And like like we said, everything's so tightly written and everything's revealed at the right points because at this point, you know now, like you know that Ray Ray Fiennes and Brennan Gleeson have had a phone call, which by the way, that phone call scene is hilarious. But again, so good, but then it once again it shifts so quickly and it shifts perfectly. Yeah, and because like, no matter what, it is an interesting and scene. And like the dialogue in that scene is great as well because he says like he says that Colin Farrell was saying, "It's I I, you know, I feel like I'm awake. I'm awake, but I feel like I'm in a dream." And then at the end of the call, Ray Fine says, "What did he say again?" And at this point, he knows that he has to kill Colin Farrell. Yeah, and he's saying like, "I know I'm awake, but I feel like I'm in a dream." And he's like, I'm... and then out of nowhere, like Harry just says, "That's beautiful." Call me when he's dead, and then hangs up. He's yeah, that that phone call it's, is great. And then it's so good. Like, like and then at that point, we realize that he the reason he's so loyal to Ray Fiennes is because Ray Fiennes found the man. Who killed? Who murdered his wife. Who murdered his wife. So like, yeah, he's loyal, and he's he's got he owes him a debt, a, a debt that he can't ever probably repay him fully. Um, yeah, man. Like, every, like we said, everything's so tightly written, and the moment Ray Fine shows up, that scene at his house, we've mentioned like you're an inanimate <laughs> object. That is 
one of the most iconic moments from the movie. It is honestly. It, it is I remember hilarious. the day after, like you watched it, you came in and you just screamed at me, "You're an inanimate fucking object!" And I immediately knew you watched the movie. I was like, "Yeah." I sent you a text. Yes, I sent you a text saying that I, wa- I was watching <laughs> yeah. it the other night, and I just sent you a text saying, "Hey, David, guess what?" He said, "What?" I said, "You're an inanimate object." <laughs> Honestly, um, I, I love this movie. So it it once again, it's then, so smart. Yeah. In every way, it's funny in every way. It's funny when it needs to be, and then it's it's depressing and dark and dramatic when it needs to be. It's the perfect kind of comedy drama. And like the the scene when like all the scenes between Brendan Gleeson and Ray Fiennes are fantastic. Because then all he, the scenes in general are fantastic. He, he, sits him, he sits him down at, at this bar and he starts saying, "Harry, I think I, I'm going to bleep all of this out, like every every one of the words, but I'm going to say it now." Yeah, uh, Harry, I think you're a, and you always have I'm been always. a, <laughs> and you always will be a, and you'll probably have some more fucking kids. And he says, "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> did you just call my kids?" kids? And he's like, "Retract that thing about my fucking." Kids, it's like I retract the thing about your fucking kids. That's going overboard, mate. <laughs> like that whole exchange is fantastic. That, but once again, like once again, it's a comedy scene that then shifts into something dramatic because it shifts into a scene when they climb the, up to the clock tower, yeah, or the bell tower. Um, and he, like, it's a moment where Ray Fiennes or Ralph Fiennes, as I like to call him, is um. <laughs> Like he's going to kill like Brennan Gleeson, but it then it shows his loyalty yeah. because he just says, "I'm not going to fight you. I, exactly, I, yeah. I owe you a debt, but I did this because I had to." And it, it's just such a a wholesome moment between friends, even though like it ends, you know, horribly eventually. It's such a yeah. nice moment between just two friends who respect the hell out of each other. Can we mention the fact that Bruges is beautiful? Yeah, I, I said to you the other day when I finished watching it, I was like, right, man, I've decided me and you are going to Bruges one day. I mean, I've I've been planning this trip for years. So, when I first yeah, saw this I'm... movie, I was like, man, I want to go and see this place. Like, I want to stay there for like four days, and basically do what they do, just sit and drink. Yep. And go around all the museums and art galleries. And see the blood and, of Christ. Yeah, and see everything, man. It looks in- yeah. incredible. This movie, Bruges in itself is a character in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the entire point of being in Bruges is to be with another character. And that's what another thing why this movie is so damn good. Yeah. Can I also just say, I love, um, I think his name is Eric Godin or Gordon um, as Yuri in this movie. He's yes. hilarious. Yeah, he is. He's, He's so funny. funny. The alcoves. Yeah, the alcoves. You, you, you know, you use this word, dum-dums? Dum-dums? Dum-dums, yeah. Like, <laughs> like that entire, once again, that entire, uh, like, conversation between him and Ralph Fiennes. Why, why do I feel like you, you only like him because he reminds you of Demanio? slightly yeah <laughs> but more uh, like just because i just i love the character in the first place because he's just such a wacky he just doesn't fit at all yeah. but then he also fits so damn much it, it's a weird See, like, kind the, of thing to talk about that's like with that with that bl- the guy that blind uh, colin farrell blinds he's yeah. like just the biggest pussy 
Like he he's like, and like, he's even crying the comedians afterwards. Are bit, are like better character than yeah. him. And he's crying to like Ray Fiennes towards the end. He says like, "Yeah," and he shot me. And then Ray Fiennes is like, well, "Sounds like it's your fault." He's like, "What?" Yeah. Like I thought you wanted to kill him. He's like, "Yeah, I do, but like that's clearly your fault. Why? Why the hell yeah. would you let him take your gun and then shoot you in the face with a blank? What the hell is wrong with you?" Yeah, I thought clearly you were... he's going to have to be pretty fucking close to hit you in the face with a blank. So yeah, that sounds like it's your fault. Um. Yeah. This. What? What? Uh, I mean, it's a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, ten out of ten. Once I'm pretty sure all of these films are going to be ten out of ten for yeah. us. That's like, um, like, my McDonough is one of my favorite directors ever. Even though he's only made three movies, but that's why I like a my McDonough film. See, like, feels like an event for me, but an event that not everybody knows about. Yeah, he feels. But the people who do know about it are very excited by it. I feel like this next movie is where he sort of almost uh, almost become gets like markets himself more as a bit of a Tarantino esque director. Yes, because um, like it, this movie is it's leaning towards that a bit. Yeah, but like the, the next the, one, the focus on dialogue. Me of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like the focus on dialogue, the hyper violence. The yeah. uh, the comedy, uh, with also the darkness. I think yeah, he he saw, he's creating his own style, but also like having that Tarantino like edge to it. Mm. Um, yeah, in Bruges, one of like I said, and we'll discuss it more in a podcast in a few weeks. Uh, we'll also be discussing this pod this uh, this movie in a future podcast very soon. It is the movie Seven Psychopaths. Yes, this is one of my favourite movies of all time as well. Yeah, one of mine as well. Um, so, um, the this stars Colin Farrell, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell. Oh my god, it's in... Oh, it's in the right order again. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Colin Farrell, Christopher Walken, um, Woody Harrelson, and yeah. that's... Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, the four of them. Yeah, like, those are the main four in yeah. the film, anyway. Um, so the, the synopsis is, a struggling screenwriter inadvertently becomes entangled in the Los Angeles criminal underworld after his oddball friends kidnap a gangster's beloved shih tzu. Yeah, I... my uh, Can I just ask quickly, who's your favourite character in this? Because it's really hard for me to choose between Sam Rockwell and um, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is one of the, like... <laughs> like, he's one he's, of my favorite actors yeah because of this movie alone he's so stand out in this because of his just deadpan delivery and like yeah. even in that that scene when he's when like colin farrell's telling him that story about him like it ends up being about himself and he says like did you did you come up with that all by yourself and he's yeah. got he's got the same voice as he does when he's like getting pointing a gun at later he's like Put your hands up. No. No. But I've got a gun. I don't care. But this doesn't make sense. Too bad. Too bad. Yeah, he's but got like he's the so same... Ca- he's so casual about every single moment because he's a pacifist and that's what yeah. I love about his character. Like, he is <laughs> I think just one of my, one of my favorite, a nice guy. One of my favourite quotes from him is, um, come on, man. Don't, you know, have some faith. 
in have, Jesus Christ. In, in Christ, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And don't tell these cock-sucking, scum-sucking motherfuckers nothing. Like, yeah. whoa, okay. Like, out of that comes out of nowhere once yeah. again. It's like, I don't know if you know where the Shih Tzu is, and if you do know, have some pride. Have some pride. <laughs> the way he, like, says that bit Just is the so word pride. damn good. Pride. Pride. I, I I could hear like I really want him to do an audio book at some point for Audible. Yeah, because I would just love to hear him for seven hours straight. <laughs> um, try and get him on the podcast. Fall asleep, <laughs> me. If we do, I think I would cry with happiness. Same um, with Colin Farrell or Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is probably one of, if not the most underrated actor of like this generation, in my opinion. Definitely. Um, and so- Colin Farrell. So Colin Farrell plays a yeah, like we said, screenwriter, and he's writing a movie called The Seven Psychopaths. And his friend Roll um, Credits. And his friend Sam Rockwell is like, Listen, I want to help you write it. And he's like, No. And he's very <laughs> it like there's just it's hard to explain why this movie's good. It's just it's so much fun. It's so relentlessly entertaining. It's so meta with its comedy yeah. and with its storytelling. And it's so endlessly quotable. Yeah, and once again, like, this movie really, like, did set him out as semi-Tarantino-esque because it does remind me of, um, like, of kind of Pulp Fiction in a way with the way that it's actually told, especially, like, the um, some of the stories that are told. Yeah. Like, the um, the serial killer killers. Yeah. Like, yeah. that story is so That seems amazing, by the way. Good. Like, and also, once again, I think my McDonald's just really likes rabbits because, once again, they're in this. Yeah. Um, like, but that that entire scene is phenomenal. Like, the music accompanying that scene is so, so special. And can I also just say, just talking about in Bruges again real quick, the score for that movie is incredible. That final, like, chase scene between um, Colin Farrell and Ralph Fiennes yeah is it is absolute like it's the perfect mix of like kind of metal like orchestric metal yeah sorry i wanted and... i wanted to say one more thing about in bruges as well while, while you're yeah there. <laughs> while we're there um all of the side characters in that movie have like feel fleshed out like yeah, the they, the they uh... feel like main characters they feel like they are part of this story even though they're barely there yeah like the uh the receptionist at the hotel and she's like you get so much of her story because you're like, yeah, she's not the receptionist. She's actually the co. She's actually the co-owner with her husband. Yeah. She uh, she's pregnant with a with a little boy, and she doesn't care whether it's a girl. Well, she doesn't care whether it's a girl or a boy as long as it's healthy. And she's got good morals. She protects the people that she thinks need her. Um, yeah. And like she's she's great, but like yeah, but again, she's barely not, in it. Not necessary. Not necessary in the not movie. At all. But still like a genuinely great part of it um anyway seven psychopaths is good as well yeah seven psychopaths see that's the annoying that's the only annoying thing about seven psychopaths like a lot of the side characters don't feel as fleshed out in this one because it's such like in bruges is a much more self-contained movie than this is yeah like this opens up a lot more into a lot more story and like goes absolutely mental yeah but um, you actually have a small story about this movie, don't oh, you, Xander? Oh god, I knew you were going to bring this up. You, um, you have a you have a you have a small story that is probably my favourite Xander's a fucking idiot story. <laughs> so, 
Um, just cut back to 2018. Mm-hmm. I uh, It's early 2018, January, and I'm looking at universities. And I decide I wanted, there's a, there's a comedy writing and performance course in Salford. So I mm-hmm. figure I'll do that. How that sounds really cool. So um, I book my I I book a place. They they give me an audition. I'm like great, amazing, and I I'm two days away, and um, I look at the the email to make sure I need to bring anything. It says yeah, just bring you like your uh, a, a, an essay that you've written recently, um, a like some ID and your your two minute prepared monologue. And I didn't know that I had to prepare a monologue. Yeah. So two days to go, I'm thinking, shit, what do I do now? So I'm thinking, listen, it's a comedy course. I will do a funny one. I really like movies and I want to do write comedy movies. So why not choose a movie? And so I'm racking my brain for a monologue and a comedy movie. Like how that's so niche. How am I going to find that? And then I realized, I remember that one of my favorite movies, Seven Psychopaths, has a monologue in it that's made better with visuals, but still a monologue and still enjoy and still really good to do just as a monologue. So basically, in the movie, um, they run away from Woody Harrelson, uh, Chris Fork, and Colin Fowler and Sam Rockwell. They hide out in the desert. And And Sam Rockwell at this point has been brought on by Colin Farrell to help write the movie with him. So he decides he's going to go away and write the ending of The Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. And the the monologue I did is the scene where he describes it to them. And it like it plays Can... out uh, in the movie. Do you remember but... the whole monologue? I've got it on my desktop. Can you please? Because I asked for you to do this for me a while ago and you never did. So, as a filming exclusive, you know, bit of content, and also for me, can you please reenact it? Bearing in mind, this is um, how Xander described it to me, in a room where a lot of the monologues were Shakespeare and this, that, and the other, just really, really classics, um, in front of kind of posh-looking, pompous-looking drama teachers. Uh, Not the word I'd use. But, um, like, they seemed very, you know, kind yeah, of I their was, own arts. I was one and of also the, probably Irish. I was one of the last to go. Yeah. And so I was bricking it. I'd learned this in two days. And so I was still a bit shaky on it. Um, Alright, am I actually doing this? Yes, you're doing it. For fuck's sake. Here we go. All right. Go. Okay, I, I altered it slightly because in the movie there's interjects from other characters. Do you want me to do the interjects? Though? No, because I've written it out so that I don't have to... That, that I didn't need those. Um, like so, so I rewrote a couple of sections so that I don't have to uh, like have the interjects. Fair enough. Okay. I mean, I would have loved to become Colin Farrell for a bit, but, you know, um, fair enough. I really... Right. Sorry, Ivy. She can't hear me, but she's going to fucking hear me in a minute, right? 
<laughs> Hi, Ivy, if you can hear me somehow. Everybody comfortable? C- cell phone's uh, yes. off, right? Yes. Okay, here we go. Exterior. Cemetery. Night. The shootout. So the Jacko Diamonds is waiting there with Bonnie, and he's arranged to give him back and have this whole thing end because all he really wants is peace. You know, like Gandhi, or Jesus, or that other guy. Anyway, he's waiting there for the Mafia boss who's agreed to show up alone and unarmed. But guess what? The Mafia boss is a psycho, so of course he wasn't going to show up alone and unarmed. But the Jacko Diamonds was expecting to get double-crossed, because he just so happens to have a couple of friends come along. Suddenly, from out of every fucking grave, burst the seven psychopaths. A gun in every hand. Flamethrower. Who the fuck is that? It's the Viet Cong guy. He was hiding up a tree. You, you're there, but you're just there to observe, and that's all right. Nobody thinks you're a pussy. But it started raining now. Lightning. And oh no, look who's wandered in like a fucking idiot. It's Kaya. She's come to say sorry to you, and she loves you, and that she didn't mean to be such a fucking bitch. You scream out, Kaya, stay back. Too late. She's fucking moan down. Fucking moan down. Her head almost comes off. Her head does come off. You scream out her name, all sad, and she dies. Kaya! You throw your notepad away. Heart and peace and all that shit can wait. Now's the time for men to be men. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck (laughs) you, you. (sighs) It's really emotional. And then, hold on. Yeah. The black chick from the serial killer killer. She fought good, but she's the next to croak. And Zachariah dies too. He buys it, dies in her arms, and they die. And they're old and mental and so much in love. You know, it's really sad. But his rabbit gets away though, because you can't let the animals die in the movie. Just the women. Anyway, guns, guns, guns. Blam, blam, blam. The Viet Cong gets hit, and then he dies. And he never even had a fucking name, and he's so good. With his dying move, he throws his nunchuckers, and he kills two of the bastards. So the only ones left are you and Hans. Then the mafia boss says, Peace is for queers, and now you're gonna die. But the Jacko Diamonds isn't dead at all, he was just a bit injured, and he pulls out a fucking, and he pulls out a fucking crossbow up his sleeve. That's not enough, so he pulls out a shotgun. Head blows up. Goodbye. And as the Jacko Diamonds dies in their arms, he whispers, We did good. We did good, didn't we, Marty? And through your tears, you say, Oh, but Jesus, Jack, we did more than good. We did grand. And Jack says, All I ever wanted was to be your... (laughs) Shut up, bro. All I ever wanted was to be your friend. Have you... I'm your friend now, Marty. I'm, I'm your friend, aren't I? And you say, Oh, but Jesus, Jack, you're me best friend. You're me best friend. And then the Jacko Diamonds dies. And as his soul leaves his body to go dance with the angels, we pan up over the bloodstrewn cemetery to suggest that maybe there can be peace one day in this troubled but beautiful world. 
maybe there can be peace because that would be good. <laughs> it, it's got layers. Hey, he liked it. Hey. <laughs> Honestly. It's a key it's a key demographic. <laughs> I'm so glad you've done that for me, man, because honestly that was like way better than I was expecting it to be. I'm so annoyed that you didn't get in with that, but at the same time they were pumpers twice. <laughs> but honestly, that was that was something special, thank you. Like, like by the way, I was I was going to interject when you said like these nunchuckers. I was about to go nunchuckers in Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> but like just that moment is like, holy shit, it's the Vietcong guy. He was so in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> like that moment kills me every time I see it in the movie. But that's like the level of comedy that you're working at. Like, that's like the peak of the comedy in this movie. Yeah, Other than it's the best scene I think in my, the movie. I think my favorite moment is uh, when oh, I'm gonna have to find. Oh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna like say it from memory. But it's when they're in the car. It's just like, wait, no. But that would mean there will be one guy left with one eye. Oh, <laughs> the Gandhi line. <laughs> yeah. Like an eye for an eye. Leaves like, everyone makes blind. The whole world blind. I truly believe that. No. No. That one guy with one eye. How is the other guy going to take out his eye if the guy has one eye? All he has to do is go and hide in a bush. Gandhi was wrong. Candy, Gandhi was Nobody wrong. Nobody just has the balls to say it. <laughs> It's just that moment, like Gandhi was wrong. I love, I love the like because Marty, uh, Colin Farrell is named named Martin in this. Marty, yeah. it's very clearly meant to be Martin McDonough. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking when I even first watched the movie. Like, I saw that the director's name was Martin. I was like, this is literally just Martin. Like, Colin Farrell is just playing Martin McDonough. Yeah. Like, this is clearly, like, Seven Psychopaths is probably the movie that Maya McDonough wants to make and then realized, hang on, why don't I make it about me making the movie? Like, and, and, and I, think, I think it, it says a lot that, like, halfway through, Christopher Walken's like, I've been reading your scripts. Like, your women characters are awful. <laughs> yeah, because, like, <laughs> women characters in this are awful. Yeah, but he says, like, Ma like Colin Farrell says, like, well, it's a hard world for women. And ha Han says, yeah, it's a hard world for women, but most of the ones I know can string a sentence together. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's smaller lines as well, like the one between um, Woody Harrelson and Colin Farrell. He says, should have brought a gun along. He says, I don't believe in them. He says, you don't believe in guns. They're not fucking leprechauns. <laughs> also, I love that, like, in that moment when, um, like, bloody Woody House has just been shot, he's like, is he drinking and driving? He's yeah. like, that's your worry? You've just been shot. And your worry is that he's drinking and I, driving. I love, I mean, obviously all the performances are great. Yeah. But in particular, like, Sam Rockwell stands out because he gets the most to do. But one yeah. little thing I really enjoy him doing is uh, whenever someone says what to him, he'll say like like when he's when um, Colin Farrell's reading the newspaper, he says, "Oh shoot, you're not reading the LA Weekly, are you?" And he says, "What?" He said, and he just repeats it exactly the same way. He goes, "Oh yeah. shoot, you're not reading the LA Weekly, are you?" <laughs> so like I every also, time, I, every time someone he says, says what, well. he, he says <laughs> he it the exact same way. It's literally like that moment is like uh, when he's on his couch, it's like, well, call her up and see. 
what? Well, call her up and see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, he says exactly, in the exact same way, in the exact same voice, it, like, same tone, everything. Yeah. Also, that moment when he's, um, like, when Buddy Marty's reading his diary, and it's just like, <laughs> what was it? Like, he's watching, um, whatever date it was, said watching the neighbor's flag fly for, like, from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's 11 hours. They've got a like right to um, fly a flag, don't they? Note to self: Don't burn the neighbor's flag. And it just cuts to a burnt flag. Like that moment is so like it's so like neat. Not even nichely. It's just ridiculously funny for no reason. Yeah, like it's not that funny, but it is at the same time. I I just love it. I, like also it just shows how stupid his actual character is that's yeah. 11 hours yeah it, it's not mate it, it's 12 you, you're almost there um i love like the, the the scene in that before the newspaper scene when he's like saying um <laughs> you um i don't have a drinking problem i just like drinking he's like of course you do marty one you're a writer two you're from ireland it's part of your heritage <laughs> And then, You're fucked from birth, <laughs> and, he, and he says the Spanish got bullfighting, the French got cheese, and the Irish the have alcoholism. alcoholism. And what do the Americans have? Tolerance. Tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like that moment is so like this movie is once again so damn special. Like it's it's a lot less self-contained than in Bruges, but at the same time, it's the same kind of style and writing. Because obviously same writer, but at the same time, it's literally like I remember um, Alex said this the other day. I don't know if we were recording when we when he said it, but these two movies could easily exist in the same universe. It could easily have been like this is maybe the precursor to um, In Bruges. Like yeah. this is the prequel, and it would make sense to me, a hundred percent. And I kind of hope that's true because that would be so fun to think that. Like him in in Bruges went from being a writer, like an alcoholic writer, to accidentally killing a kid and still being an alcoholic, but even you know more of a worse person because of the alcoholism. Yeah, like I think that would be a really really fun little bit of information to have. Obviously, like we've never had that, but in my own mind, this is definitely in the same universe as that. I also I, um, like to think that Six Shooters is a part of that universe as well. Yeah, definitely. I um, I like the way this ends as well. With like, yeah, it ends on a no- on a high, and then it cuts to like we meet the serial killer killers earlier on, and he like the guy is n- not with the woman anymore. He she left him, and he yeah. wants he says to Colin Farrell, listen. I want you to put this at the end of your movie, like a little sign that has my number on it so that she can call me and I can see her. And then the movie ends and then halfway through the credits, it stops and it's a phone call between that guy and uh, Colin Farrell. And he says, I saw, I saw your movie. It was really good, but you didn't leave it there. And he said, Oh no, I'm so sorry. He's like, well, you, you promised in your life. And then Colin Farrell is just like, Okay, that's fair. He yeah. says, so I'm gonna come by to kill you on Tuesday. He's like, that's fine. Not doing anything on Tuesday. It's like, and he, I, 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 
it leaves it ambiguous whether he does go and kill him because he says like, well, actually, I've got I've got some stuff to do on Tuesday. You know, I'll 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 get back to you. Yeah, because he's but that's clearly like, like the that's another staple of my McDonough. He just leaves everything ambiguous. Like the ending is up to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, that's that's what I think. I love. This is one of the most underrated movies I've ever seen. I I remember seeing this on film because I remember it was fit, like Me too. By film four as well, and I watched it the night it premiered on film. Same, four. I did like, as well. Uh, yeah, like it it was, a, <laughs> but I thought it was a film four exclusive at the time, so I was like, I have to watch it because it's only ever going to be on film four. <laughs> Boy, was I stupid as a kid because I also used to think that the posters on film, like on buses. They were showing the film on the bus. Mad. So that's a fun look. Yeah, I was a stupid kid. Yeah, bro. but um, <laughs> I mean what? But yeah, like <laughs> sure. But yeah, like this this movie is so so special, and it's always been one of my favorite films I've ever watched in my life, and it still is. I re- like rewatching it for this podcast. It just made me like relove it all over again. Yeah, definitely. I think. <laughs> I don't think you can watch this movie and not like end up with a smile on your face. Yeah, exactly. No matter what, at some point in this movie, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. No matter what, this movie is just inherently. This is probably weirdly is maybe his most accessible movie. Yeah, Uh, I don't think Free Billboards is very accessible to the common you know movie watcher. Yeah, that's that's very much an Oscar movie. This is a very good segue. Like, if you want, if you want to watch Martin McDonough's films, I'd say watch this in Bruges and then Free Billboards. If you just want more Martin McDonough, yeah, definitely. Because this and In Bruges are very, like, they are very, very close to my heart. This very one a little similar in tone. Of, yeah, and this one I've got a bit. I have got nostalgia for because I, I literally watched it in. Tw- I think it was on in 2013 because obviously it went in cinemas. Yeah, but I watched it a year after release, thinking, "Oh my god, I have to watch it tonight. I'm only ever going to be able to see it tonight." And then I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it probably about five times in a week <laughs> at one point because I just love this movie so tam- so damn much. It's so, so, so good. It is. It really is. It, it, it's very Tarantino-esque as well. And that's why other people should see this because my McDonough is the Tarantino of his generation in a sense, even though Tarantino is still a lot about. He's like the new era of Tarantino. Yeah. And you know what? That's a damn good thing because he's got his own style, but at the same time, it's very reminiscent of him. Yeah, it is. You're right. And that's why I also hated Sin City because it felt like it was trying to be Tarantino way too much. Yeah. But this doesn't feel like it's trying that. It just ends up being similar. Um. Well, so out of ten, are we, we're going. Ten. We're going ten. Immediately ten. Yeah. yeah, once again, like I said before, it's more likely to be ten no matter what, Xander. Let's be honest. This movie, <laughs> his movie, is such an like an impressive director. He has such a good track record, um, and I'm, I'm more than excited for his next one. This movie, like the highest nomination it got was for the Baftas, and it got nominated for the uh, best British film award. Uh, it deserves it, an Oscar for best film. Yeah, it did not win it. It did not win that BAFTA. What won best film in the Oscars in twenty in twenty thirteen or twenty twelve even? Ooh, um, Oscars twenty. Hold on, I'm gonna Google 2013. it. Twenty thirteen. It'll be uh twenty thirteen. Yeah, you'll you'll have to type in. I'm I'm doing it now. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, best picture was Argo. With George Argo. Clooney, 
Amor, I've never even heard of that. Um, Beast Django of the got Southern, Best Supporting Actor. Beast of the Southern Wild, Lame Maze, that's not good. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of two of these before. Yeah, Best Original Screenplay was also Django, which is also, which is my favourite movie of all time, which we will discuss. <laughs> there you go. Lame Maze got Best Film Editing, I think, wasn't it? Oh, wait, no, that was... Um, he got Best Sound Mixing and Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Yeah, I don't. I really don't like that movie. You know, I I think it's a damn good movie, but I can see why people don't like it. It's one of those. Now but you we'll... know what you know what I want. I want Christoph Waltz, um, Christopher Walken, and um, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson all in a movie directed by Mike McDonough. I think that would be the ultimate cast for a Mike McDonough film. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I can Shall only we, hope. Um... Should we move on to and his Sam final movie? Uh, yes. Well, his, his most recent movie. Well, yeah. And his next movie we will 100% cover. Yes, we will. We'll do a full episode on it. Um, yes. Um, this is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. This was released in uh, 2017 in America. I saw it in 2017, but then it was released in the UK uh, 12th of January 2018. Yeah, I watched it in um, 2018, annoyingly, because I didn't, you know have an Odeon Unlimited pass, like Xander did. Um, this is his highest rated on IMDb. It's got an 8.2 out of 10. Uh, it is in the top 250 movies. It is rated 152nd. Um, and it's got the best Metacritic score as well, with 88 out of 100. Yeah. Um, this stars Francis McDormand, Caleb Landry-Jones, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson... Um, there are others. Lucas Hedges turns up. Yeah. But the the main the main three are Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, and Francis McDormand. Yeah. And once again, I am so, so glad that... Um, Woody, and Samara Weaving Sam turns Rockwell. up. Yeah, she does. Oh, and... Um, so gl- and uh, Peter Dinklage is in it. Yes, Peter Dinklage is actually great in this movie. Yeah. But um, I'm so glad that this won um, Sam Rockwell an Oscar yeah. because he he deserves one so much. He's such an underrated actor. Um, so here we go. Here's the synopsis. A mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. Yes. And um, it's the details of the murder are grisly. They yeah. get revealed fairly early on in the movie. Uh, we won't really touch on them much here yeah because it's quite heavy this movie is a lot more heavy than um the other two it is this this feels like more going for oscars yeah and to be fair i just say i've just found out that you know sam rockwell is also a voice for a character in one in one of my favorite games of all time so that's that's fun fun yeah i I didn't um, realize that this got nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six. It got nominated for seven Oscars, and it won two yep. of them. Uh, the two it won were for Best uh, Actress for Francis McDormand and Best Supporting Actor for Sam Rockwell. And um, it was nominated for Best Picture. This movie is what? What? What do we think of this movie? I think this movie is incredible, but it's his least good. Like it, it, it's like when whenever I talk about the Cornetto trilogy, I have to say that the third one, um, which is Buddy World's End, yeah, 
Like, it's the least good movie because it's still a damn good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the same. It's a bloody good movie, but it's his his least good one. I can't yeah. say worse because it's not a bad movie at all. No, it's it not. is an incredible film, but it's um, the least good. I, I can't say anything other than that. I think it's it's the most different because the other two are very much like dark comedies, like comedies yeah. first. Whereas this, this is, is just a drama. This is a drama with comedy elements in it. This is a crime drama with some funny moments. Yeah. Um, but I think... that's a good thing for this movie because this movie touches on so many different... And also, quickly, before we carry on about this movie, this movie has one of my favourite one-shots of all time. Yeah. yeah, It, it is incredible. Um, I, I think the best performances for me are from Sam Rockwell, obviously, and yeah. um, from Woody Harrelson. The letters that Woody Harrelson writes... And like the voiceover, oh the, the narration from him, uh, well, the, the voiceover during the re- when people are reading those letters, is maybe some of the funniest stuff in the movie. Yeah, genuine. Once again, though, I'm like, I'm so sad that Woody Harrelson didn't get a supporting actor, but I'm also so glad that Sam Rockwell did, because they were both nominated for both supporting nominated. actor, and I don't know which one I wanted to get it more, <laughs> because like Sam Rockwell. Is the most is the more underrated one, but Woody Harrelson's character is so damn good in this film. It's yes. such a hard choice. Like yeah. Sam Rockwell has a lot more time and a lot more character in the film because he gets built upon a lot more later on. Yeah, and you know you see a lot more of him. He's you you're with him for quite a bit of it, but it's you know Woody Harrelson's character is special. It's yeah. so close to my heart. I love him so much. It's so like is like this is going into spoilers because you know I I kind of have to anyway. Like his death scene genuinely breaks my heart every single time I see it. Yeah, because he like it's just such a like an eye opening scene because like he has a family, he has like kids, this and the other. Yeah, and he's got and like yet, he's got cancer. Yeah. It's, it's so big. he'd rather go out like that than with the cancer it's such a heartbreaking moment but you f- like you understand exactly why he's doing it like that yeah it's honestly so so good and um, once again we can 100% recommend that even though this is his least good one I can 100% recommend this this one. is the hardest one to talk about because this is just like there's nothing yeah. There's no, like, incredibly hilarious scenes that we can, like, quote. The The only scene that I... The only incredibly hilarious f- scene is, Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't cut, turn around. Don't answer when she's calling you a fuckhead. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's the only hilarious scene. But at the same time, this movie is filled with so many good scenes. Like like I said, the, um, the like, one shot when he um, throws that guy out the window. Yeah, it's and the the scene in, the scene when uh, John Hawks turns up, which is Francis yeah. McDorm- Francis McDormand's ex husband, and he turns up with his girlfriend, who's Samara Weaving. Yeah, and uh, that that scene is like intense to funny, from intense to funny, like at the drop of a hat, and it wor- it still maintains its tone the whole time. Yeah, and that's it, really it's difficult the classic- to do. 
it's the classic McDonough like idea of you know going from like a really funny moment to a really dramatic moment but he does it so much in this scene that it seesaws back to funny and like drama funny drama funny drama exactly it's it's such an incredible like like you said it's a very hard film to talk about it's a very it's kind, not necessarily a hard film to recommend but it's a it's the hardest of the three to recommend yeah because yeah, it it's right. just such like you've got to be in a certain mood to watch this kind of film you, you can't be in a mood for a mood like for the other two you can be in a mood for any movie and you can just watch them and laugh and cry or whatever because i'm not gonna lie i cried in bruges when i watched it i'm, yeah. I'm gonna own up to it i That's cried fine, i'm a bitch <laughs> but you know what i also cried when i watched this movie but this movie is harder to recommend because it's more drama it's just it's, a drama it's heavier it's heavier yeah it's so dark and it, it's not the kind of film that you can just turn on and relax. You've got to focus on the movie. Whereas the other two, you can turn it on and you can relax. Yeah, you You've can got to relax. focus on yeah. certain moments, but those certain moments only last like a few, maximum a few minutes. Yeah. Whereas this, like, it's the whole the whole tone of the movie is dark. This is like, yeah. like the, the it, it, I mean, obviously it's a dark story because like this girl's been murdered and other things have happened to her and like she's been burnt alive yeah. and then these three billboards were set up to taunt the like, police yeah not even taunt them to literally make them do something because there i think it was a year or so yeah um or like was it 13 months or something like that yeah something like that yeah and like that's exactly what the billboard she buys these three billboards to send a message to these police because only she goes down that road but also, the police go down that road to go and talk to her about the case. And obviously, they're going to see it because yeah. they have to go and talk to her about the case. There's and like this such an emotional roller coaster. There's like small character moments for Frances McDormand as well that help solidify her character as like, especially at the start, that like, you know, you've got to trust this woman because in, in the very first scene she's in. She's in that office with Caleb Landry Jones, um, doing like ordering the billboards. Yeah, and she walks over to the window. And she's looking out the window, and there's a fly on its on its back. Yeah, and you think she's about to crush it, and then she just flips it. Yeah, so it can carry on going. And it's like that's that's a really small moment. It tells you so much about this character. Exactly, and that's like, what that's, does once best. again. Yeah, I was about to say, that's exactly what he does the best. He, the smallest character moments that in other movies wouldn't really be paid attention to at all. But yeah. this film focuses on it so much that you can't help but think that that's, a, you know, a trait of this character. They're a nice person. Even, you know, something like a fly, they will help. Yeah. and it's He it's, wouldn't hurt a it's fly. Exactly. It's... From I was thinking of um, you know, South Park because they parodied that like, parodied that moment in ah, um, an episode with the um, the like the guy who owns um, City Walk, right. who um, turns out to be a, um, a schizophrenic white guy, ah. just pretending to be uh, well, like to pre- pretending to be an Asian guy. Lovely stuff. Yeah, that's that show's weird, but it's it's hilarious that moment. Um, but um, like, I, and like the, we, we again, barely mentioned. Can I just Sam, say Sam I Rockwell. love that? Like, yeah, we will talk about it in a second. But I love that Francis McDormand went from like um, Fargo's, like it's kind of funny looking, to this. 
Like, yeah, she's Fargo had a wild a, career. Yeah, she has had a mental then, career, and she's still after, having a mental career. After this, she was in. Uh, she was in Isle of Dogs. Yeah, and she's in um, the French Dispatch as well, which mm. is his next movie, isn't it? Wes Anderson's. Yeah. I've still not seen Isle of Dogs. Actually, I really want to. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, the thing is, like, it's a piece you know, of um, like Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of those films that I know a lot of people were divided on it, but I loved that movie. Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of the best animated movies of the deck of the decade. I well, it's no longer in the decade. It's super century. It's of the century. Yeah, though. I I love that movie so much, but I know a lot of people who do not like it at all. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> but yeah, like. Anyway, we're not talking about Wes Anderson. We'll we'll do a Wes Anderson episode at some point now. He's Maybe. done a lot of movies, so we'll have to you know we'll just put choose it the best on ones. the list. Yeah, um, Sam Rockwell is like you know earns his Oscar in this. Yeah, he's 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 incredible in this movie. He really that, is. That is the only like he's great in Seven Psychopaths, but he's better in this. Even though Seven Psychopaths is a better movie, he's so good in this. He he earned his Oscar so much, and I'm so glad he won that. Because it, it was a hard choice between him and Woody um, Harrelson. Yeah, it, it was a very hard choice, but he deserved it a little bit more because he put he has, so much to he, his acting. He has the more obvious character arc. Yeah. So he's like, he starts off, he's like this racist, horrible police officer. Yeah. Who's like basically a like Woody Harrelson's little bitch boy. Yeah. And then becomes sort of like grows in himself and realizes the good he can do in his community yeah and helps uh starts helping francis mcdormand even though i'm pretty like I, like i think in the middle or towards the end he loses his police job doesn't he oh that's like because right of, in the um, middle. that's like yeah, yeah right, that's like right, right after middle. woody harrelson dies the new captain yeah. comes in and, and he, he fires it yeah, like it's such a that that turn of events as well. That's what changes him. That's like the the character like turning point. Yeah, like that's when he realizes that he needs to be better and he becomes better. He does. It's it's such an incredible film. Like once again, like you said, it's so hard to talk about. Yeah, even though it's a fantastic that, film, it's like one that. of those films where you can't recommend it to everybody, but you want to. I mean, but that scene in the bar towards the end. When he's overhearing that guy talking. Oh my god! That's one of the best scenes in the movie because he's that. There's no dialogue from him. He's just yeah. It's all with his eyes. You know exactly what he's thinking. He's like, I yeah. can hear this guy. I'm trying to figure out something, and it's super clever. Super yeah. clever. It's it's just one. Of, it's such a damn good movie. Please watch it. Yeah, watch all these movies. Yeah. Um. What are we saying? Uh, I'm saying nine for this I'm, one. I'm going nine as well. Yeah, I I want to give it a ten, but the other two are just a slightly better. Yeah, literally. Like, granted, I do prefer comedy anyway to drama, so I yeah. think that's my bias towards like genres. But at the yeah. same time, no matter what, those two movies are so special to me. Especially Seven Psychopaths. That movie is super special to me just because of the memory I have watching that film for the first time. And I'm glad that you have the exact same, you know, yeah. experience. Yeah, how mad is that's, that? I didn't, I didn't that's realize That's really that. weird. Yeah, man. 
that is genuinely so cool that we have the exact same experience of watching this like that movie for the first time and then you know we bonded over that film one day and you know what we're doing a podcast about it now how mental is that how, how wild how wild how wild is life um no, man. there we go we did another director retrospective we we did it how was that yeah, it's it's not like you guys were asking for it, but at the same time, there's not many of you yet. Yeah, exactly. Apart from that one guy in Australia. <laughs> yeah, um, shout, once again, shout out to that guy. You're a legend. I love yeah, you. what a guy. Um, or a girl. Actually, it's, I know it's a guy because of the stats. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I reckon we just cut it there because like, I've not watched anything this week. Have you played anything? No. Uh, I can recommend um, like two games. Can you do one? I can it's... recommend two, but one of them I'll just talk about very briefly because I've only just started playing it today. It's it's midnight. Okay, right. I'm no matter what, I'm ending this podcast when the timer hits one forty, and it's one thirty-two. Okay, so the two games. Hang on, hang on. Let me, let me, let me, hang on. Let me, let me, let me actually do an intro now. Um, hey, David. I didn't do anything this week because I was working and watching Imbrusion Seven Psychopaths. So, sell me a movie or a TV show or a game or a music or a book if you're a nerd. Okay, I'm gonna recommend two games. One is the one that I mentioned earlier. My favorite, one of my favorite games of all time. That's Dishonored Two. Um, it's just fantastic. I haven't played it in a while, but did it's you mention that? Like I said it's what I said. Um, like Sam Rockwell's voice in one of my favorite games of all time. I didn't say. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the the game I was on about. Um, Dishonored Two is the quintessential stealth game of like play your own way. You can either go full stealth and literally kill nobody, or you can kill literally every single person in the map and make the game a hell of a lot harder for yourself. It is so damn fun. Um, it's developed by Arcane Studios, who are an incredible developer. I have played. Almost every single one of their games. Um, the only one I haven't played is Arx Fatalis, but I've got it, so I'm going to be playing that. Um, I got that for free, luckily. Um, shout out to Arcane. <laughs> Cheeky. Um, but yeah, it's like it's hard to explain. So um, I'm going to read the IMDb thing. So 15 years after the events of the first game, Emily Caldwin is dethroned by an otherworldly conspirator, forcing herself or her father Corvo, which isn't the canon story, to go on a journey to clear her name and reinstate her rightful title as Empress. This game has some of the best level design I have ever played for a stealth action game. It's so damn good. The powers that you can use as Emily, like being able to um, teleport this and the other, or turn into a, like, I think you just turn into this little monster that can crawl through things. I know as a um, Corvier, you can turn into a rat, which is pretty damn funny. Um, but the way you play the game is entirely up to you, which is something that I've always been a, a fan of. That's why I love the Metal Gear Solid series. You can either go full stealth or you can, you know, just kill everybody. And this is the quintessential version of that kind of thing because the levels are open to the point of there are so many different ways you can complete every single mission. You can, ch like, challenge yourself. And this has one of the, my favorite things in a game, of you can literally set your own like difficulty setting you can create a custom difficulty setting where you can either make it the hardest game of all time or the easiest game of all time uh like i said it's got a weirdly amazing voice cast it's got like pedro pascal uh vincent d'onofrio sam rockwell 
Rosario Dawson. Like the the Floyd's cast is insane. It is in is such a good game. Xander, I hundred percent recommend you play it. I think you can pick it up for like six quid anyway. But I would sell this for full price at fifty pound because I bought it at fifty pound when I first got it, and I love it to bits. I think it's one of the greatest games of all time. Um, it's the second of three games, and luckily, Arcane are doing a new game called Deathloop, which was going to be a launch exclusive for the PS5, but now it's been delayed into mid-2021, which I'm not sad about at all. I think that is a good idea, because these guys can have all the time in the world to make a game, and I will still enjoy it, because I think they are incredible. Cool. So yeah, and um, the second one is Lego Super, um, Lego DC Supervillains. I picked it up today because it's dead cheap on um, the Switch. And it also has a incredibly weird voice cast. Um, I'm going to quickly get it up. Um, because you will be surprised how amazing this voice cast is, by the way, man. So, oh, for God's sake, it's going in order of like... Um, not even appearance, it's going in order of thingy. But it's got Mark Hamill as the Joker, oh, yeah. which is immediately cool. Kevin Conroy as um, Batman. Batman. Okay. It, it's literally got all of the classic um, like voices for all of the characters. So from the animated series, there's even an animated series DLC. It's got Nolan North, hey. which is amazing. He's just in every game ever. Yeah. Um, it's got Tara Strong as Harley Quinn, Batgirl, and Raven. Um, I'm pretty sure she voiced uh, Harley Ra- Quinn in the animated series. She does Raven in the Teen Titans. In Teen Titans, okay. And she's also did um, Harley in Batman the Killing... She did Batgirl in Batman the Killing Joke and Barbara Gordon. Yeah, ba- uh, Batgirl she- is Barbara Gordon. Yeah. She also did um, Timmy Turner in The Fairly Odd Parents. That's it, yeah. I did not know that. That is awesome. So yeah, um, I've only just started playing it. I can't say too much, but it's Lego. So you know what kind of gameplay you're getting into. Yeah. But it is also, you know, one of the best Lego that I've played in a very long time. It's open world, like many of the new Lego games. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You've got God knows how many characters to play. And I mean, God knows. You also make your own at the very start of the game, and the powers that you can get are really, really cool so far. I've only got the beam, but I've seen a few more that are super cool. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. That's that's my recommendation. Amazing. Yeah. Um. So tired. Yeah, play Dishonored two. I'm so tired. Also, play it's, Dishonored one. It's past midnight. We're done. David, you know what we've done right here. Uh, film people in. We've done a short one. Have we? Yeah. After editing, this is going to be under an hour and a half. <gasps> dun dun dun. It's yeah. unheard of. The, the um, that film makes me mildly erect. Please keep that in. Right. Good night, everyone. Oh, shit. She also did Lego Marvel's Avengers as Jessica Jones. This is definitely going to be coming back as, like, this is going to be coming out in the morning on Monday, but I'm saying good night. Um, Thank you to everyone who's been listening on Spotify and Apple and YouTube. Um, We're continuing to grow every day, and I am so thankful for everyone listening. 
Um, if you have a suggestion for a podcast, do send it over to us on our Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram page. And while you're there, give us a follow. We do post uh, uh, clips there before the episodes go out. And we uh, I've been slacking the last couple of weeks. But this week, there will be bonus clips going out from this week. Uh, stay tuned as well because over the next we've got we've got like every episode every week sorted now until after Christmas, haven't we, David? Yeah, we had a we, sit we, down. We, and we, we had a full on like two hour conversation of right. This is what we're gonna do. Um, a friend of mine is going to be making an appearance, which is gonna be fun. Yeah, that's not till October though. Um, but but we've I've got, got a story to tell with that. We we've got um, next week. David probably won't be here. Uh, because uh, me and Alex are going to go watch Tenet at the cinema. Yeah, um, and... I'm in Manchester currently, so there's a local lockdown local because lockdown. of COVID. So, um, yeah. I might be getting lifted, though, so depending on the restrictions, I might be able to see this movie, but I'm going to take a week off anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've got Fair a lot play. of movies to watch, I've got a lot of work to do, and yeah, I just want some time to myself to yes. play so... Dishonored 2 again. So it will be me and uh, probably Alex next week, and um, I'll see if James is free as well. Maybe we'll do something, all three of us. Uh, but yeah, so look forward to that. There will be a spoiler review here, um, but yeah, I'll leave like time codes and, and shit next week. Thank you so much you to everyone for listening, and uh, I will see you next week on the next Film Me In podcast. And I will see you in two weeks on the next next Film me in podcast. Nice. <laughs> I I ain't gonna lie, bro. I was falling asleep there. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs>